Blog Talk Radio. Saturday, April 9th, 2016, and you're tuned in to another episode of The Missy Show, where your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and joining us once again on this gorgeous Saturday is the other half of this dynamic duo, the lovely Dee. How you doing today, buddy? Hi, Jay. I feel like Robin. (laughs) (laughs) I want to come out with my little cake. How are you, Jay? You know what? I wasn't feeling that hot earlier, but, you know, I used it as an opportunity to kind of just chill out and get some much-needed rest because the week can just be so stressful, the work week. So I kind of just been laying around all day, but I feel better than I did, and I'm just happy to be here with you guys. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just need a lazy day. That's what I call those lazy days where you just get up and you're like, I could do a load of laundry, or I could just lay on the TV, I mean, lay on the TV, <laughs> lay on the sofa and just watch some TV and Netflix it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. what else. Yeah, that, that's sort of been me, a mixture of TV and sleeping and kind of, you know, reading more about today's topic, which I'm excited about because I've kind of always been curious about them. But today's episode is about canine cops the dogs that protect. And actually, this time, today's trivia question even falls in line with our show topic. Um, Today's question is, what dogs are typically used as canine police dogs? So so you you may know the answer to this, and and I guess there could be several different answers depending on what site you got your answer off of. You want to take a stab at it? Who, me? Mm-hmm. I have the answers, or or I, I can go ahead and give those out. Well, I have I have two, I think. Okay. Um, it's the um oh crap! Wait a minute. <laughs> I know computer issues. People bear with us. <laughs> I want to say the well. I think it's pronounced. It looks like Bella knows, but I think I saw something where it says it's pronounced the mountain. Well, the Malinos, but it looks like it. Malinois? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, the Belgian, yeah, yeah the Belgian. Malinois, it looks like Malinois with spell, but I think I saw something where it's pronounced Malinois or something like that. Yeah, it um, could be. A, and, um, yeah, well, yeah, because some of my information said Malinois pronunciation or something like that. And the German Shepherd. Yes, I think he's the most common. It's German Shepherd. Okay. German Shepherd. Or at least over here in the U.S., I think so. Yeah. But, um, but yes, but actually, um, th- those are the top two that I was going to say. But they also use beagles. Beagles are commonly used yes. at airports. Yes, yes. I actually was in an airport, don't know where I was. What was I doing? I'm not really sure. I can't remember. But <laughs> they were actually, we were all in the line. It was like crowded, jam-packed. Oh, it was in Atlanta. It was jam-packed and... They had, I think, a beagle coming down to kind of like sniff people's stuff. We were trying to come. I was like, okay, and I had to keep reminding myself. I actually been sniffed twice. One was, I think, a Labrador, and one was a beagle. 
And um, actually, I've been sniffed three times because I think when I went somewhere else, I got sniffed by another dog. <laughs> but a beagle, he was so cute, and I had to keep reminding myself, okay, he's not here to play with you. He's, he's working. Do not bend down and touch the dog or pet him or try to play with him. Leave the dog alone. <laughs> Leave the dog alone. Leave the dog alone. Then I thought, you just get that panicky feeling. You know you don't have anything on you. You know you don't have anything. They could probably send you to jail, but you, I, just, I don't know if anybody else gets this, but I always get that feeling like, oh, God, please don't let them sniff and find anything. <laughs> yeah, just something that could be mistaken for a drug, you know, because that's gone through my mind. I've never dealt with the, the dogs or anything, but I know when we've been coming back through customs, like off of a cruise or something, I've never actually gotten to see the dogs sniff my luggage and stuff after a cruise, but I know they do it because they have our luggage, like, kind of separated off before we can go get it because we go and get it actually after the dogs have sniffed it. So I've never gotten to see them. Yeah, my sister, and the only reason why it really freaked me out, my sister was not to change the story. <laughs> my sister was going coming back from Puerto Rico or something, and she was going through the line, and she put on some hand cream before she left the hotel to go to the airport, and a substance in that hand cream was actually a substance that's used in making bombs. And oh, wow. They pulled her to the side when they scanned her, and ever since then, when I go through, like, security checks, I'm just like, Oh gosh, what did I put on today? I don't remember. So, anyway, yeah, well that that's scary. But uh, well, I guess if they if they sniffed it out, I guess they were doing their job. And and that was one of the interesting things that we'll bring up um, too that they they want dogs to cut. One of the reasons is for their sense of smell, and they can actually um, like pull out a particular scent, even like say of drug dealers like rap wrap up their drugs and other things like per- something that's perfumed or whatever, they can still distinguish the smell of the drug despite other um, scents being present. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, the other ones that are used, you have bloodhounds, Springer Spaniels, and Labrador Retrievers. So that's just a, a few of them that are um, typically used. Um, let's see. And as we go further in the episode, we'll also, if we have time, we'll talk about what each of those types of dogs are typically used for to assist law enforcement. Um, Links from information used in today's episode can be found after the show on our com forward slash missy.show44 or on our Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash missyshow. And if you'd like to join in today's conversation, you can hit us up at 347-838-8313 or just listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a torty. Okay, now on to canine cops. And I guess what I want to do is first I want to explain to everybody what a canine dog is, canine cop is. And it's, um, according to Wikipedia, a police dog, often known as a canine um, in some English-speaking countries, is a dog that is specifically trained to assist police and other law enforcement personnel in their work. Their duties include searching for drugs and explosives, searching for lost people, looking for crime scene evidence, and protecting their handlers. Police dogs must remember several hand and verbal commands. So that's just kind of like a little intro to what a police dog or canine cop is. That's pretty cool. So they assist with different, they they can assist on um, the local level, federal, state, and they're not only used here in the United States, but they're used on mainly on any, you know, police force in any country. 
That is so cool. I mean, we, you, of course we've seen them, but I mean, you never really kind of, never really thought about, you know, how they come into the forest. I don't know if I just thought that they just, you know, go get a dog and, and, and you know, the dog is just with them in their train. But you ha- you don't think about that there's a lot of training that goes into getting a dog to be, and they're actually cops. They're actually, you know, they're police officers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're cops, you know. So it was interesting to read a lot of that information and, um, I read over some stuff about the history of the police dogs and how they actually came to be. Um, European police forces were were using bloodhounds as early as the 18th century, and it wasn't until World War One that countries like Belgium and Germany formalized the training and started using dogs for specific tasks such as guard duty. And then the practice continued through World War Two, and soldiers returning home brought news of a well of well trained dogs being used by both sides of the conflict. And soon the canine program began in London and other cities across Europe, and the use of police dogs didn't gain a foothold in the United States until the 1970s. And today, police dogs are recognized as a vital part of law enforcement, and the use of police dogs has grown rapidly in the last five years. And, you know, I found that funny because I don't know why I thought that police dogs were around, you know, earlier, just have always been a part of, of, of the police Force, but I, it's 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 interesting to find out that they didn't really start using them until like 1970. Yeah, we got them much later over here than like they had them over in Europe because um, I I saw on Wikipedia where they were saying they were using them since the Middle Ages, you know, in some parts of Europe, you know, when the parish constable, you know, he'd have his bloodhounds that were used to you know track down outlaws. So yeah, yeah we're we're really late on it over here. Yeah. I, just, I always thought they were, you know, a part of it. Mm-hmm, I did too. I, yeah, I was, I was kind of shocked to find that out. Um, and then I, I didn't know this either, where they were saying that police departments obtain dogs from a variety of sources. Some are donated by their original owners. However, more police departments are realizing the importance of using dogs that have been specifically bred and raised for police work. Dogs imported from Europe have several advantages over American bred dogs. In Europe, breeding standards are very strict. Dogs are measured against a core set of physical attributes and are only bred if they meet these criteria. So I had no idea that a lot of times um, some of the dogs, police dogs that are over here, they were actually trained in Europe. Yeah, because they were talking about, like, um, the specific language, the commands. I don't know if you read about that in your Mm -hmm, I did, I did. Yeah, the specific commands, I think it's, they command them the language is Dutch, I think. And mm-hmm. they you know, they keep that when they bring them over here, they keep the commands in Dutch because they I think they don't want to kinda of confuse them and try to try to teach them in English or something like that. So they of course when they're over there they're being taught in Dutch and that language what have you. And then when they're brought over here they the officers still command them, which I would think would be a smart thing to do. Don't try to say, Okay, well, you're you're in America now, you're gonna learn English. So that would just kind of defeat the purpose. But um, they speak Dutch to them in commands. And I used to think that they did it so that, you know, you couldn't command the dog, but really it's because they're trained in Dutch when they're over there. And when they're brought over here, they just continue to speak that language to them. Yeah, it's just easier, you know, than trying to teach them English. I didn't realize they were so expensive. Did you see that about the average cost? It's like $8,500 to purchase yeah. and ship a dog. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, that is a that's a hefty price. But you know what? That's a lot of training and a lot of effort that's going into you know. So I would think that they're not going to come cheap. 
but that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a that, lot of that's, money. that's a whole lot of money. And and another thing that's very interesting is that most police dogs are male and they're unneutered. Mm. You know, I wonder if they keep them unneutered to kind of, you know, because, you know, neuter, you know, one of the things of having a dog that is unneutered, it keeps them kind of, you know, I guess aggressive, but, you know, more. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is exactly the reason. They, they want them to maintain some of their aggression because, like, um, if a suspect is getting away and the dog may have to chase them, they don't want them to necessarily to hurt the suspect, but they have to have a certain amount of aggressiveness. But at the same time, they must know when to keep that under control if, if yeah. the, their handler is telling them to, okay, chill. You know, they have to be able to respond to that command. Yeah, but but that's why they they um typically don't neuter them and and they just deal with male dogs. But there are some female police dogs too. Yeah, and and you know I was also reading it's not like they're just letting the dogs be out there and be aggressive, or whatever. All police dogs must first become experts at basic obedience training. So they're trained and they must obey the commands of their handler without hesitation. And this is what keeps the inherent aggression of the dog in check and allows the officer to control how much force the dog is used against the suspect. So, you know, they're not out there just like wild animals or whatever. They're, I mean, and the bond between that dog and that handler, I would think, is so close and so just, you know, and just together that, you know, one word from the handler would make that dog completely come under control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you definitely want the, the dog to listen to the handler because you wouldn't want a situation where, he just sort of freaks out and yep. attacks you. Goes for his own. You know, I'm having a bad day, and you're the one I'm going to take it out of. <laughs> no Cujo moment, please. I know, exactly. So they're they're very much trained. That You know, they, they have to go through basic obedience training and, and obey the commands of the handler without hesitation. I've seen some, like, some shows and different things of where they put them, where they actually take them through the training, and the bond between the, the dog and the handler is, like, second, you know, second nature or whatever. It's, it's, it's so close. I didn't know they lived together. Yeah, I did. I knew that because it's one of those things where I saw, like, of course, I watch all kinds of things. They're dogs. And they showed a um, police officer and his dog, and the dog, I think something happened where the dog wasn't going to be able to go out and do his work anymore. So they, you know, they live together 24-7. They're, you know, at his house. And the, the great thing about that is what they said is that, you know, once the dog is at the house and they're off duty, he's just a regular house dog, you know. He's he's off work too, you know. <laughs> and and the um, police officer was saying, you know, he knows when it's time to go to work. When he gets up in the morning and he leaves, they go, you know, he gets up and he puts on his stuff and the dog is like, okay, give me my cup of coffee, let's go. And so they go ahead and go out to work, but the dog became injured or something to where he – wasn't able to go out to go work anymore, and it was kind of it kind of tore his heart apart because when he would he had to get another dog, which I think that dog actually ended up living with him as well. Um, well, I know he did. He lived with him as well, and and it kind of broke his little heart because he would say he would get up and go, and the other dog would go, and he would kind of like look at him like I can't go, I can't go with you. So that was sweet, but that's how I found out that they live. You know, they are. I mean, that bond. That's why that bond is so close because they train them and they live together and they're with that they're, that um, companion the entire time. Oh, Well, that's good that they get to stay together and even when they retire, they get to, you know, continue to live with their handler. That's cool. 
Yeah, that's so cool. And that's great because you wouldn't want to break that bond. I mean, just because they're not, that bond was probably, and they're probably together since they're like puppies or whatever. When they're training them, they're probably they're the ones that are training them too. So, well, not necessarily as puppies because they might be from older, you know, Europe. But anyway, when they're together training, they're probably growing up together. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I found interesting, Dee, I don't know if you got to read this part, was how they get the dogs to sniff for the drugs. Um, yeah. This, yeah, this yeah. is so fascinating um, because, okay, and I'm, I'm reading this off of um, how police dogs work, and it comes off of howstuffworks.com. But um, here they say people often wonder if dogs sniff out hidden drugs because they want to eat them or because they're addicted to the drugs themselves. In fact, dogs have absolutely no interest in drugs. What they're actually looking for is their favorite toy. Their training has led them to associate that toy with the smell of drugs. The toy used most often is a white towel. Police dogs love to play a vigorous game of tug and war with their favorite towel. To begin the training, the handler simply plays with the dog and the towel, carefully washed so that it has no scent of its own. Later, a bag of marijuana is rolled up inside the towel. After playing for a while, the dog starts to recognize the smell of marijuana as the smell of his favorite toy. The handler then hides the towel with the drugs in various places. Whenever the dog sniffs out the drugs, he digs and scratches, trying to get at his toy. He soon comes to learn that if he sniffs out the smell of drugs, as soon as he finds them, he'll be rewarded with the game of tug and war. Tug of war. So that's that's cool. That was really interesting. I mean that's I mean that's so because you see them and when you you're, you're going at you're thinking, well, how does he know and what is it? And his, for them, that was very interesting because for them, it's like it's not even about the drugs. It's like, where's my toy? Is my toy in there? <laughs> where's my toy? My toy's here. Forget my toy. I was reading too, Jay, where they were talking about. Did you think about when they were talking about the different kinds of alerts, kind of going in? Yes, the passive versus aggressive. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are two ways that police canines are trained to alert to the odor of their specialty. And the first way, the first is called a passive alert or indication, and it's common among explosive detection canines and narcotic detection canines, where a non-aggressive response is preferred. Utilizing this method, a canine sits when it smells the odor that it is trained to detect. The common indication for explosive detection canines is by passive alert for obvious reasons because the sudden jarring or impact of explosives could cause a detonation. And the second way that a police canine is trained to indicate is called an aggressive alert, and this type of alert is the most common among dual-purpose utility police canines as the dog is trained to show indication by vigorously scratching and barking at an item that contains the odor of the substance of the dog's specialty. The most popular specialty for aggressive alert dogs is the narcotic detection, and this enables the dog to more closely indicate where the hidden or concealed substance is located. So I'm I would guess that they would definitely have to have, you know, two alerts because um, a dog going to sniff out a bomb, you wouldn't want, to have him scratching and digging and, and, and you know, trying to tell you this is where it is as opposed to, you know, going to get marijuana because I just wouldn't want him scratching and digging around anymore. No, th- that would be bad for the dog and everyone around. So. <laughs> he found it. 
that would be horrible. Yeah, or you'd be in the middle of about to say that sentence and then so um <laughs> if we got one. No, so yeah, that's pretty cool that they have two ways of alerting, which thank God they do. <laughs> Um, another thing I was going to hit on uh, quickly was the type of specialized police dogs. Um, they have sentry and attack dogs, and these dogs are used to locate and subdue suspects or enemies and provide security for sensitive or, or control areas. Um, you have your search and rescue dogs. Um, these bloodhounds are often used for that task. Um, you have detection dogs or explosive sniffing dogs. Some dogs are used to detect illicit substances such as drugs or explosives, which may be carried on a person in their effects. In many countries, beagles are used in airports to sniff the baggage for items that are not permitted. Due to their friendly nature and appearance, the beagle does not worry most passengers. They are really cute. Um, You have arson dogs. Some dogs are trained to pick up traces of accelerants at sites of suspected arson. of course, a not-so-pleasant task, but I guess maybe it doesn't bother the dog, you have cadaver dogs. Some mm-hmm. dogs are trained in detecting the odor of decomposing bodies. So if, if they're looking for a person who's been missing for quite a while and they're suspected to be dead, you know, they might pull out these dogs. Um, dogs' noses are so sensitive that they are even capable of detecting bodies that are under running water. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. So, So you've got different different types of dogs that specialize in different things. Um, so this it, it, it's just a lot of information. I, I wanted to make sure I got to everything. And um, there was another question that I want to answer, and that was what makes a good police dog? And I just had it. Okay, I found it. should be intelligent, aggressive, strong, and have a good sense of smell. So those are some of the qualities that they're looking for in a police dog. That's cool, and I would guess so because I mean, I was just reading about you know the the smell they they can detect. I don't know if it's like twenty times or something. It's, it's yeah, it's actually like fifty times what we can smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine just taking when dogs are like going out on a walk, everything that they're like getting the information that's coming into them. I'm like, what in the world? I don't know if I would want that, though. Yeah, I don't think I would either. I think that would drive me crazy. But I guess for them, because they were born with it, it's not as big of a deal for them. They're used to it. Now I can kind of understand my dog, you know, every time we would go out for a walk or whatever, his nose, of course, would just be to the ground. And in a new place, it's just his nose is to the ground. Just to the ground, to the ground, to the ground, to the ground, to the ground. I'm like, what are you looking for? What are you smelling, buddy? And that's how they that's how they explore their world through their noses. Oh my god, he was smelling. <laughs> I remember that about him. <laughs> he would smell everything and it was like one day funny story, but one day we were at the vet and you know, our vet was pretty cool. Everybody knew, you know, everybody pretty much and People would have their dogs, and some dogs would just be chilling. And then you have the dogs that would just wanted to go around and explore, and they were cool with it, letting go explore. And I remember I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I wasn't paying attention to Boomer. And I, and I turned around, and there was a lady paying her bill, and I turned around, and he had his nose right up her butt. Oh, gosh. That was right up her butt. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But she was acting like it was nothing. I was like, what are you doing? Come here. And he looked at me like, what? 
is the most natural thing in the world. It was like, it was like, but it was like, he just stayed there. <laughs> Get out of here. Come here. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the, I guess the smells for him is just a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. I didn't know that their career, Kana's career, only lasts about six to eight years. Yeah, so they're not in the line of duty very long. But yeah. I guess maybe in, in in animal years, that's a long time. Yeah, for them, that's a long time. That's like a full career for them, like a, a regular person's career. So but I, was, I found because I thought, wow, just six to eight years. But you know, I I, I guess that's that's a, that's a, you know a good year for them, a good amount of time for them to serve. Did you know that? And I'm going through something where you get the the 22 um, interesting facts about canine dogs. I found this interesting. Did you know that police dog training includes identification? They can actually tell the difference between identical twins. No, I I didn't know that. Yes, they can tell the difference between identical twins um, because they slightly differ in their genes, allowing them to have different fingerprints, and it's hard for humans to see the difference with our eyes, but, but researchers have found that trained dogs are able to use their noses to tell the difference between identical twins. Another nose thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess it makes sense because even though they're genetically the same, they're still they're still not the same person, though. So yeah. I guess there yeah. will have to be some differences. And I guess for us, because we go with our eyes first, mm-hmm. it's for we're trying to do the eyes, and they're like, no, it's in the nose. <laughs> it's in the smell. <laughs> in the smell. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. That's okay. My computer just went crazy. Oh no! <laughs> I was trying to get over to something else. Okay. Did you? Um, I have some interesting information about the famous canine police dogs. Did you find any information about famous canine police dogs? I saw a little bit about Rin Tin Tin, but if you have that, I'm going to let you take it. Yeah, that, my mom used to tell us stories. She used to watch the Rin Tin Tin show, and I was able to find their five five famous police dogs, and the first one on the list is, of course, Rin Tin Tin, which was a former police dog discovered by, and I didn't know this story about him, actually. Um, He was a police dog discovered by an American soldier on the battlefield in France in 1918, and after the war, he brought Rin Tin Tin to the U.S., where he went on to star in 122 films, a TV series, and 48, he um, had 48 pups, or many Rin Tin Tins, as they say. Um, Another famous uh, canine dog was Maddie, and Maddie was a black Labrador retriever with the Connecticut State Police and was the first operational accelerant detection dog in the country and possibly the world. She went on duty in 1986 for 11 years and was trained to sniff out evidence of arson. She could identify 17 different accelerants in the aftermath of a fire and was even able to identify the suspect among the onlookers after the incident. Let's see who do we have. We have, we have Cloud. I want to say this is Cloud the Second. I think that's what that is. Cloud the Second was one of the most famous police dogs in Canadian history. In our brief four-year career, Cloud the second and his handler, Constable Ray Carson, captured 123 fugitives and found countless missing children and lost hunters. According to the National Post, the dog's most famous takedown occurred in December 1973 when he and Mr. Carson followed two juvenile offenders to an ice hut on the outskirts of the North Bay. 
cloud two stormed into the hut and emerged moments later with a loaded rifle. Mr. Carlson reported getting a quick shock as he did not even know that the suspect was armed. So Cloud found the gun before anybody even knew. I see. Wow. Before the night was over, Cloud two also forced another use of a knife. And the last one was Apollo, which was a fearless German shepherd, and he was one of the first dogs to learn search and rescue. And on the morning of September 11, 2001, Apollo was one of the first responders at the World Trade Center bombing. Yeah, that's right, because they do use dogs to, like, search for not only just, you know, people who they feel are deceased, but for people who are alive, too, who may be buried under rubble or things like that. Yeah, I forgot about that. And I want to give one shout-out, another one with Cyrus, and I want to say this about Cyrus. Cyrus was another 9-11 hero, was the only dog to perish in the cleanup efforts. Um, 9-11, yeah, it was the only dog. It was a four-year-old level, yellow lab with a knack for sniffing out explosives, and Cyrus was actually burnt, buried when the South Tower collapsed. So he was probably um, going in there when that tower actually collapsed. So one of our heroes. One of our heroes. And don't they get the same type of um, heroes reception, sort of just like how a, a human officer would if they I lost their so. lives? Yeah, I think so, because, you know, they're they're seen as, you know, canine officers. And it is a felony to, I think, kill one of them. I don't know if it's just hurting them, too, but I, I know that's a felony. Yeah. Well, this episode went by very quickly, and we, we had a lot more information, but we'll be sure to post that on our Facebook and Twitter pages, so be looking out for that um, maybe within the next 30 minutes or so. We want to thank you guys once again for tuning in. Be sure to join us next Saturday as we're going to be talking about the wild boars and that issue and what we can figure that out. So tune in next Saturday, 5 p.m. Central as usual. Guys, have a great weekend. Thanks Bye, for everybody. listening. Bye. Bye.